And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here, as we said, talking about your Toronto Blue Jays on The Athletic, where if you haven't already, you should go and subscribe. Theathletic.com slash spin rate. Do that thing right now. Get yourself a tidy discount. Subscribe to the show that we do twice a week. You don't have to subscribe to The Athletic, but I think you should. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, where we do it twice a week. Once, me and Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic, and the other show, which is the one you're listening to right now, is me and former Blue Jays all-star Ricky Romero, who joins me from beautiful downtown California. Uh, Ricky, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk a little bit of what happened last night. Um, Ready to roll, man. Beautiful weather. Be in Toronto this weekend. I'll be in your neck of the woods, so I'm looking forward to being out there for a month and, uh, and being part of that beautiful country of yours. It will be Canada Day, which as I I talked about a little bit at the end of the last episode, Canada Day, I I saw a really great quote um, from an indigenous, I don't want to take the show on too much of a tangent, I do this sometimes too often, but a great quote about the ability for us to celebrate on Canada Day, what it is that makes Canada a great place for the people who live here, also reflecting on the true nature of Canada, our history of uh, of marginalizing uh, First Nations people and and a history of racism and, and you know, the, still grappling with the, the 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 true horrors of the residential school system, all those sorts of things. I, I think that you know the, the way this MPP, who who is a, a First Nations uh, person and an Indigenous man, uh, positioned it was like you know it's not it's not to 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 feel to be allow our guilt or allow us to like wallow, but definitely have those conversations, think and go in with open eyes and recognize what Canada is, what its history is, what its present is, and then what we can do to make its future a more fair and equitable place for everybody who was born here, who moved here, who was a settler, who is who is native to this land, whatever it might be. So an, an important opportunity on Canada Day for us to revel and look around and just and be so um excited by and proud to live in and be from an amazing place and to enjoy everything that it, that it has to offer while also continuing to do that work and, and put our nose to the grindstone every day in an effort to make it the best place it can be because it's not we're not quite there yet. Canada Day means big things at the Rogers Center where the Blue Jays, of course, play one of what is usually the biggest or one of the most well-attended games of the year. Big party atmosphere. This is a special weekend. Five games. Over the over the weekend, as the Blue Jays and Tampa Bay will try to catch up on some of the the games that were missed the beginning of the season due to, the, due to the owners' lockout, but we're not ready to talk about that yet. What we have to talk about is even though so the Blue Jays came into the series against the against the Boston Red Sox, reeling a little bit, losers of three straight series, uh, losing two of three to the Yankees, to Chicago, and then the one that just happened, oh Milwaukee as well. The Blue Jays have won two in a row against the Boston Red Sox, but boy, it did not feel like that game on Tuesday night was uh, 
was going to go the way that everyone thought it was going to go. A bit of a rocky up and down until, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. saved the day. Uh, I think that in the ninth inning, so Vladimir Guerrero Jr. delivered the game-winning hit, but not after Bo Bichette picked up a, a big hit to drive in Bradley Zimmer, who was pinch running for the MVP of this show, Alejandro Kirk, who we'll ha- we, have, we will have our Alejandro Kirk segment. Don't you worry about that. Ricky. <laughs> I'm talking to you specifically. <laughs> but uh, in, in my mind, that, that series of at-bats from Kirk, Springer, Bichette, and then Guerrero was just truly shows how difficult the Blue Jays' offense is to get through when things are when they're all right. Nobody had any home runs. There wasn't there weren't any laser beams that that knocked down the left field fence, but high quality at bats, really good approach, and ended up producing the the only result that Blue Jays fans would have accepted after what happened with the with the bullpen in that game. But just a a real like murderer's row in terms of the the, the quality of at bats and the quality of offense that the Blue Jays are capable of producing um, from from Kirk Springer, Bichette, and, and Guerrero. I don't know if what you thought when you were watching the, them sort of battle through. And again, that really great piece of hitting that you can, I, I love to see it from Bichette when he goes up there knowing that, that that's his plan. When he's got a plan and he can really execute on that plan, uh, he can be as good as everyone, as anyone. Yeah. And you mentioned it right there with Bo and, um, and Springer and, and Vladdy. It's not like they, they hit the ball on the button. You know, it was like they, they just found the holes. And w- when you have a plan like that, which is these guys usually do, um, they, they, you find holes like that. And we've seen where the Blue Jays have been on the other end where they've hit mm-hmm. balls hard right at guys. So maybe this is the the little bit of the ship turning around. And, and, and again, it, it's baseball. You hit you hit the ball where it's pitch. And sometimes, most of the time, you you get rewarded for that. And it's when you're trying to do a little bit too much. And you can just tell that last that bad by Vladdy. He wasn't trying to do too much. He was, I, I believe he was ahead of ahead in the count and he might have gotten beat a little bit with that with that fastball but it just found the hole it was it, it found the the six hole down there and and we're off to the races but um yeah everything you know obviously you mentioned Alejandro Kirk and we have some fun with that but the tone setter he comes in has a good at bat he's he's probably the one the, the only one out of those four guys that hit the ball the hardest mm-hmm. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in that inning and just the way that he uh Again, we we talk about his plate discipline. He knows his plan. He knows what he's got to do, and he knows what he has to do in that situation. And he came and executed. And you followed by the other guys. You bring in the firepower from Springer to Bo and to to Guerrero. That's something nobody wants to see. And um, you can just you can just sense it. I don't know about you, but watching the game, you can just sense that it was going to be trending in in the Blue Jays' direction. And I mean, it's no secret. I the <laughs> Boston's missing one of their key guys in the bullpen, and I mean, and I it, it was kind of funny or not funny, but if you went on Twitter and you searched that pitcher's name, it was like <laughs> holy smokes, the people in Boston were not happy. Um, but again, it's the approach and how they go go about their business and how they they they. It's you know it's Springer and Bo not trying to hit the two run walk off home run. It's like okay, I'm going to take what the game gives me. And when you put up good at-bats like that, again, I'm a firm believer that this game will reward you most of the time. I think that, that the good at-bats piece is really key, right? With I think Kirk and Springer and then Vlad in particular, 
they had great at bats in that they you know took some close pitches. They you know Vlad got ahead when there were a few pitches that weren't close at all. But you know not trying to do too much, not trying to hit the first thing that they saw that was with that was hit a bull in an attempt to try to win the game. And then because. You know, uh, the Bichette at bat is different in that Bichette had an idea. He had a plan and we get there and he saw the, the an ideal pitch to do what seemed like it was his plan all along to try to go the other way, try to hit the ball hard. Um, you know, he's obviously going to be a tough guy to double up because he runs well. But, you know, that was the one where if you as long as you almost like if, as long as they were able to stay out of the double play there, they were probably going to be good to go in my mind. And do then you, when Vlad comes up, it's like, OK, well, this is over. Like, forget it. Were, were you pretty surprised? I was. Were you pretty surprised on how much they shifted Bichette last night? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, in, on the because, infield, yes. In the outfield, he, he, hmm? because he no, goes go the he, he goes the other way really well, I think, and he's one of the guys that actually can hit a home run opposite field. Not not very many guys can, but mm-hmm. um, it almost seems like even Espinal they were shifting him, which was kind of weird. I was like, what <laughs> what is going on? What do, okay. what do they got? What yeah? What do they got yeah. that that and. Again, Espinel is a guy that can handle the bat, I think. He's one of those guys that can hit the ball the other way. He mm-hmm. can find a hole. He can pull if he needs to pull. But Bichette, I feel like, is a really good opposite hitter type guy. And it, it was just weird that they shifting. I mean, they got beat right there by the shift. And um, it, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. He makes sense as a guy who would shift similar to how the way the Blue Jays shift their outfielders. I think that if the Blue Jays faced Bobichette, they would do exactly that, right? If he pulls it, it's going to go over the fence. But if he goes the other way, he's got a ton of power to that up to that right field alley, right? As we've all seen, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, and and like you said, he can go can go deep to the opposite field, which you know fewer and fewer guys are able to do uh, these days. So. To see them that that shift kind of go so aggressively on the pull side on the infield a little bit interesting, but um, you know we haven't really talked about Vlad Guerrero Jr. that much recently. Uh, he's obviously having a great month, great month of June. You know, got he's got nine home runs. Is that true? Nine home runs in June? Damn. Uh, you know, OPS way over you know over a thousand after coming back from May, but now it's been revealed that he has been favoring his wrist for well in his words through through Shai Davidi of uh, of SportsNet something he's probably going to be have to manage his entire career but uh it, it kind of maybe shed some more light on where what Vlad was doing when he was you know had a bit of a tough well had a definitely a tough June and you know below average and not what we expect from him but great to see him back hitting the ball hard hitting the ball over the fence as i said nine home runs in June and then uh, being able to deliver that big hit um fighting it off and still again those those balls that that squeak through, so to speak, um, for the Blue Jays infield. That's there's just a, it's testament to why you hit the ball hard. Even if you hit the ball hard on the ground, it just becomes that much harder to harder to, to field. And it's just something that Vlad and Bo as well do really well, and and uh, and good things come out of it. But yeah, great great to see a real turnaround and some really strong results for for Vlad here in June. Yeah, and it's been you're right. You you mentioned nine home runs, and it's almost been like it's been the quietest nine home runs that he's hit because. He had a tough May, but I think what the best part about it, Drew, for me was him telling Charlie that the game was over before he went up to hit. Like that to me is just like this this kid's got it. He was made for this stage, man. And I tweeted about that yesterday. He really was. And I mean, I, it it almost feels like he's got more than two walk off uh, hits in his career. And 
Um, I'm going to give him the Montreal one too. So that's three, even though it was The Montreal one counts for sure. That counts for sure. That was, that was such a grim season for the Blue Jays that that was like the highlight of the year in 2019. That was the best moment of the Blue Jays season. And it happened in, in spring training. But seriously, um, seriously, it's one of those things where he did that and it was almost like, Every Blue Jay fan took a deep breath, took it all in, and was like, wow, if this is what the future lies for us as fans ahead, then we were really excited. And that's why there was so much hype around him when he came up. And and it's to me, when I see him uh, last night in that at bat, and you can just tell the way he's taking pitches, it's almost like he's going to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And and not, not every hitter can do that because some you know obviously the pressure gets to them and they don't they they want to end it but they don't and this guy it's almost like i got this like i know what i gotta do um i know i ain't gotta do too much and i and i'm gonna go out there and execute and again to be able to call your shot it just doesn't guys don't just say that you know there's (laughs) always a little bit of tension obviously you know they were up and and there's they're supposed to win this game and now they're tied and 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 it just seems with him it the adversity doesn't face him. He's he. It almost seems like after he had that conversation with Springer about like, are, are you having fun? Like, you know, get back to having fun. Get back mm-hmm. to being who you are. It's almost like it's kind of shifted a little bit for him. Um, he's a huge leader in this in that clubhouse, and he's the guy, one of the guys that they look up to. And and when you see at the end of the dugout, he's the guy, the life of the party most of the time. He's the guy at post games, you know, drenching the players and Hazel. Um, so it's just it almost seems like everyone wants him to get the walk off because they want to get payback and you know and <laughs> Hazel's and got to get him. We, they got to get Hazel a bucket and let her dump it right onto him. They like do, just yeah. Herself. Like cut out the middleman. That that, uh, that that would be great. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that loves that spotlight, and I, mm-hmm. and and you love to see that, especially if a young kid like him. Well, and obviously he's so talented, but when he's seeing the ball well and his timing is good. He can be that confident. He can go up there and watch, um, well, I can't remember the guy's name, watch him pitch and be like, okay, there's nothing he could, he's got that I can't handle. Yeah, so, Hatcher Robles. Yeah. Oh, it was Robles. That's right. They took, they yeah. had made the pitching change. Ro, you know, Robles was hard, right? But, but to be able to go in there confidently and be like, I know I'm seeing the ball well. I know my timing feels good. You know, this is done. That, that's, uh, you know when when it comes in the moment i think it just comes back to that like he's just so good and but not afraid to screw up and not afraid to you know not that he's not going to screw up but it also remember reminded me of that montreal home run came, uh, that home run came off of jack flaherty who is uh who was not just some like roster guy at the end of the you know oh uh, was it really wow yeah, I, yeah. I i didn't even yeah future, I didn't even realize. F- future blue jay jack flaherty if you ask me <laughs> but that's just neither here nor there he needs to get healthy man holy smokes what you a, know where he can do that break toronto uh (laughs) we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, just a, a great night. But uh, before, oh, look, let's, let's do Kirk. Now we got to talk about Kirk even more. Um, just again, having an amazing season. What I think he's also the Blue Jays' best pinch hitter. A guy who comes up and and is just talk about a guy who's not phased by the moment. Talk about a guy who's seeing the ball well. He, he's everything and, and more right now. Just showing that power, hitting the ball so hard, running away with the All Star votes as well, which is not a huge thing personally for me. Like I don't, you know. It, uh, the ballot all-star voting can get gets carried away especially online I'll, I'll say this in the day this is this is me sounding old now but when you had to go to the ballpark and they give you the little punch card and you and you had to punch those things out i like those that was so fun it was tactile but also it made it hard to like flood the ballot box like we see right now online and these partnerships like the dodgers and the angels fans are trying to come together to to get trey turner and mookie betts and and show otani and, and mike trout in the all-star game which I can't even. Uh, you, I don't even know how that I just, works. The, the the issue that I have with it, and you're right. Like it's cool that fans get involved in everything, but like Tatis being like fourth or fifth, you know, mm-hmm. like come on, people, like yeah. come on, like he hasn't played a game. Why? why, why he, like let's stop that. that. That's where I have a bit of an issue because there's guys mm-hmm. that are very well deserving that should be uh, ahead of that, you know. But when this guy, when you look at it, and he's got like over three hundred thousand vote, three hundred thousand or dollars. 300,000 <laughs> votes, it's just yeah. like, or 400,000 or whatever he's got. It's like, <laughs> he hasn't played a game. Like, um, But you know what? It's part of the fan interaction, and I'm glad Kirk is getting everything he deserves. He's getting his flowers right now, as as we say. And, um, and our good friend, uh, Chris Black, tweeted out this morning. He said, Alejandro Kirk, since May 24th, 24 starts, 400 Batting average, 491 on base percentage, 28 runs, 24 RBIs. That's insane, man. That is insane. Even like, <laughs> his numbers for the whole year are insane. And then you look at his, and then I'm like, right now I'm looking at a StatCast page, and it's like, there's nothing about it that is fake. You know, you know, sometimes guys can can run into it for a couple of weeks, and and they put together a hot streak, and, and you know, the, you can see maybe the foundation isn't as strong. But like Kirk's... Uh, strikeout rate is in the 98th percentile. His hard hit rate is in the 77th percentile. His average exit velocity is in the 84th percentile. His whiff rate is 95th percentile. Like he's this is it's as real as it gets, right? His ability yeah. to cover the plate, his ability to put the bat on the ball and square it up. And you know the guys on my baseball team, we were they were talking about it uh, last week, and they're like his bat is in the zone forever. Like it feels like the barrel of his bat is just in the strike zone, in the hitting zone for so long. And he's just got amazing hand-eye coordination as well and, and pitch recognition. So he doesn't get fooled. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's really, really something else. But let me ask you this. This is the, this is the loaded question I'm going to ask you that I wrote in here. So we <laughs> I love saw Alejandro <laughs> Kirk. We love Alejandro <laughs> Kirk. Uh, but the, the Angels, of course, are falling apart. Shohei Otani is having almost in some ways a better season than last year. Maybe in a, in a hypothetical world, the angels decide they're going to trade to show Otani Cause he's like, you know what? This franchise is a joke. 
I can't sign, resign here. I'm out. They say, hey, Ross, you give us Kirk. We'll give you Otani. <laughs> I hate you, you right now, man. Yeah, that, that's Why are you doing this to me? It's rough. <laughs> now, this, I probably, is, this is El Capitan. He has captured the hearts of the Canadian people, man. Like, come on. I, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> but on the other, on the flip side, you're getting one of the best hitters, home run hitters in baseball, a guy who can pump 98. If Kirk can pump 98, 99, 100, then I'd be like, okay, that, that's a fair trade, but that's kind of an unfair trade right there, man. Two miles an hour. Shohei Otani's fastball is He's throwing it harder this year than he did last year. Wow. He's, he's added two ticks, which is insane. That's not fair. It would never happen. You know, no matter the no matter how bad the Angels get, they're never gonna they, how do you trade you can't. How do you trade Shohei Otani? You can't. How do it's you look yourself in the mirror? How do you look yourself in the mirror and be like, I traded Shohei Otani? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> they're a mess here in Anaheim, man. A complete mess. Even yesterday they jump out to a lead against Johnny Cueto, and then I was like, Oh yeah, I mean that means they're gonna cruise and <laughs> that's all they got, you know? Home runs from Trout and Otani, and you're just like Otani had it, three three hits and I think two walks and it didn't didn't make an out all night, nothing. I don't know if you saw the video of Trout. Trout realizing that his own pitcher was tipping his pitches. Tipping pitches and he's like yeah. out in the center field, like, come on. <laughs> Poor guy. But anyway. I, I re- I really do wonder what's going to happen there. But, yeah, anyway, yeah, no, back to Kirk again. I mean, I think we talk a lot about his hitting, Drew, and and one of the things that where he's improving, we talked about this earlier in the season, but it almost seems like he keeps getting better and better and better, and it's the it's the catching ability. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's proved a lot of people wrong because it was like that was a big question. Um, can he catch? Can he handle a staff? And he, it seems like with Jansen out, he's – completely carried that load obviously moreno has been sprinkled in a few times here and there but you can just see the the how comfortable hitter or um, pitchers are throwing to him and and then when you see you know how he's stealing strikes from time to time um his pop times you know throwing to second base and stuff like that uh that 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 side of it too i mean he's almost like he's this this year he's coming into his own. He's 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 more of a complete catcher rather than just an offensive catcher, and and that's big when you're able to have both. I mean, so usually you get a defensive catcher that can't hit or an offensive catcher that can hit and can't mm-hmm. really catch. But it's almost like with him, you're getting the full package, and that's good good stuff for for the for him and the Jays. His pitch receiving, according to Statcast, is in the ninety sixth percentile he's wow. added four already added four full runs with his receiving with his framing uh, you know as we've spoken about many times here before he's really really strong um at the bottom of the zone um as well as you know in, the, in that sort of bottom corners and and uh, you know just just overall but that those pitches at the bottom of the zone are huge that's where so many of those strikes are available when you can you know make sure that those pitches that are at or or, or right around the knee or the the kind of the base of the kneecap you know get those p- p- pitches presented as strikes um, the throwing thing is nice and all, but so, so let me ask you, what do you think, you know, in terms of what, when you're looking at a defensive catcher, obviously you like the whole package, which I think that both he and Marino and Danny Jansen all are like all around good defensive catchers. But my thing remains that there's one aspect that I think is more important than the rest. What do you do? What do you think that do you agree? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you, do you think the pitch, for, do you think the pitch receiving is the most important thing a catcher can do? Um and and uh, pitch calling, yeah, 
Uh, you know um, how you how you uh, how you're able to prepare for a game, the game plan that you're going to have, how you're going to be able to, um, let's say you know Alec Manoa is having an off day. How are you going to guide him, like with the like if he's slider is not there? How mm-hmm. are you going to guide him through six seven innings? You know, picking and choosing when you throw that slider. That to me is where the cerebral part of a catcher becomes super important. Mm-hmm. How am I going to guide my my starter? When I know he's not in his A game, how do we set up certain pitches so that so that he gets a feel for his slider again, so that he trusts it again? Because it happens a lot of the times when when you're when you're pitching and like if I didn't have my changeup, I'm like, okay, my catchers are gonna have to guide me through this, and we're gonna have to set it up to throw it. Not we can't just throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, and keep mm-hmm. falling behind. So that's that to me is the the important part, and it is it seems like he's his his pitch calling and stuff like that. The game plan has gotten better, and I feel, I, like- I feel like that's. One that's one of the things that's important for me. I think so too, and I think that Monday night start against the Red Sox was the kind of perfect marriage of those two things. When he's got Kevin Gossman on the mound, and Kevin Gossman and and, and the the team have been working to adjust his become less predictable, and he was throwing more and more uh, fastballs down in the zone. I think he got nine called strikes with his fastball in the lower third of the zone, which is so huge because all it does is make that changeup that much more dangerous. Makes it too you can't take it anymore. Right? Yeah. You can't take that, that pitch that looks like a fastball at the bottom of the zone. And so when you've got Kirk, who's A, getting the buy-in from the pitcher as well as even with everybody else, but calling for those pitches down there, Kirk has the ability to then receive the ones that are close that make it that much, have to keep the batters that much more honest. Where they're like, even if it's not a strike, he, this kid's getting the calls back there. So I can't. I can't just lay off and be like, well, there's a splitter at the bottom of the zone. So yeah. uh, a, really, a really good example of how those two things can all work together. Yeah, and and the one thing about Gosman too, you mentioned obviously he pitched down in the zone, but uh, he pitched up in the zone effectively too when he was coming up and in, up and in, up and in. It it, it reminded me a bit of uh, old school pitching where I'm gonna back the guy off and I'm gonna get some swings and misses up in the zone, and then mm-hmm. it's gonna set me up for that change up down and away. And when you're able to do that and change those eyesights, which is something you rarely see nowadays, it's more mm-hmm. just like we're gonna attack one zone, which is I feel like Gosman for a little bit was like. Like you mentioned, it was like very predictable. He's going to go to the changeup or the splitter, mm-hmm. um, and and it just seemed like his game plan completely changed this 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 last start where it was like I'm going to throw up in the zone and I'm going to dot down and away 98, and then I'm going to throw that nasty splitter off of that. So and it also it makes it like hard. He, and he went to the slider. I think maybe later in the game, more like the third time or second or third time through the order, he started to throw offer that slider in there a little bit more. And I I thought um, like it might have been Caleb Joseph. Who mentioned that that he throws at um, more against the Red Sox than almost any other team so far this year? Uh, mm-hmm. Joseph also had a really interesting insight about when he was with the Orioles and they they wanted Gossman to only throw down and away, like you said, just attack one zone, throw everything down in that spot, which is uh, which is interesting and and I, which is, seems seems odd because not it is it's weird that it is old school now. Like throw your fastball up in the zone is like oh what is it twenty fourteen now whoa whoa but <laughs> but and especially. It's noteworthy to me, like the guys that he was doing that to, right? You know, a guy like Bobby Dahlback, who's probably not really demonstrated the ability to like hit a big league fastball, especially it's when it's located in a tough spot. And he started to start inching them in and inching them in, and like they're, you know, too close to take, but also, you know, not a pitch that I, that that guy in particular has demonstrated, uh, you know, the ability to do a lot with. So great stuff from Kirk. Great stuff. Great outing, of course, from Gossman. And uh, now the one thing I do want to talk about, speaking of pitch selection, 
I don't know how closely you were watching last night. I, I was a little bit surprised with the way that Tim Mesa pitched last night, in particular in that eighth inning when he when he sort of um was it the eighth inning? He just it was just slider, slider, or sorry, sinker, 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 sinker. He threw one slider all night. I don't know. I was really surprised. And it's you know, he got Trevor Story to strike out, but then I just I can't I I can't believe that you you're going to be able to get the strikeout or get the get what you need by just throwing the one pitch all over and over. I, I don't know if if there was if you think that there's a were they did they have just double play in their mind the whole time like we're just going to get them to roll over we're going to keep throwing these sinkers away and we're going to get get right with one of them. But I don't know. I was a little bit surprised and not maybe disappointed isn't the right word, but just surprised at the at the pitch selection in that in that uh, from Mesa in particular. Yeah, and 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 it can be again. The amount of data these guys have in front of them, mm-hmm. and 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 you're right, and they they were probably chasing that double play. They're trying to keep that run from scoring. I believe there was a runner in scoring position, right? Yeah, yeah, it was first, yeah. first and second, yeah, first and second, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm guessing when you're throwing that sinker down in a way, you're hoping that he kind of gets out and roll over. And Trevor Story is a guy that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, so you, I think they were. Um, I heard a reliever, uh, Casey Jansen, once say, if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat away. I don't want to get beat, beat inside late in the game. And, mm. and I feel like that's probably the mentality that Mesa was taking. Like, I'm like, if he's going to beat me, if he hit, takes me opposite field, then you tip your hat off to him. But I'm not going to let him beat me inside. And um, mm. unless you set it up, but it almost seems like Mesa, they were probably chasing that double play. And obviously, he got him to strike out. You got, they got story, but then Vasquez was the one that they they left That's one of those right. sinkers right over the heart, and then yeah. and then he and then he got it. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The question that that something that was a lot of on a lot of people's minds and sort of I don't want to put it on Trent Thornton specifically, but I I, I liked the idea. Charlie Montoyo brings Trent Thornton in in the seventh inning. He's got the bottom of the Red Sox lineup, with which then of course has Rob uh, Ref Snyder at the top of the order. I don't think that's a bad idea 
to try to steal those outs when your bullpen is short is short staffed guys are overworked you don't have dave david phelps to go to you have already used adam simber don't have jimmy garcia i like the idea i'm just it's just really disappointing and i you feel for for thornton that he just wasn't able to get the job done and uh, ends up giving up a a home run uh as well as walking uh uh, uh franchi cordero uh what do you think? Are you are you on board with the idea of, of using Thornton to get those outs right there? Yeah, Drew. Who else? Who else, like people are like shitting on 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 Charlie, but I'm like, who else are you supposed to bring in in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like, like you look at that bullpen, top to bottom right now, and you're like, who who, who am I going to bring in? So obviously, yes, I like. I'm with you. Like the idea of trying to steal three outs, and let's let's face it, Trent Thornton hasn't been. Hasn't been bad. I mean, he had one mm-hmm. bad outing against the New York Yankees, and and that was it. You take that away, he's been pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And you expect him to go out there and get those three outs. He should get the job done. He would tell you if you if you put a mic in front of his mouth right now and you said, "What what, what do you got?" He'd be like, "I got to get the job done right there." Nobody, nobody is. Uh, it's it's one of those things where he's not making any excuses. He'll tell you, "I I should get the job done," and and. You you don't expect Rob Snyder to, to be the guy to take you deep, but again, you can't let your guard down against any hitter. I don't care who it is, and and if you throw a fastball that's right down the middle, these big league hitters will make you pay. But I don't I don't disagree with, with <laughs> like directly down the middle, like the middle of the middle, <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> and and I, again, I don't I don't blame them one bit for for bringing bringing in Thornton. Um, if there was a guy that I would have liked was David Phelps, but he had pitched back to back days, so mm-hmm. you couldn't really bring him in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you, there's nobody really else that you would have brought in in that situation. No, I, I I really think that the the whole the way the whole thing progressed, like he brought in Simber to face better hitters, right? He used a better reliever, a guy more suitable to the situation in the sixth inning, which you know this is what you love. It, it, not I mean, not love, but. For years, it was just like your job. You were the eighth inning guy. You were the seventh inning guy. And and but this was like this is a job for this for Simber, right? He it's not as high leverage, but this is a more important stretch of the batting order, and it all it worked out. I think perfectly. And and again, I don't think yeah. you can kill Charlie. I think it's again, it's just a reflection of where the bullpen is right now with all yeah. of the injuries, with some of the underperformance, uh, most of the injuries you know, sometimes suggesting you know, underperformance, whatever. But. You, 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 like you said, you, you need Thornton to do the job, and unfortunately, he mm-hmm. didn't. And like you said, he, no one knows it more than him. But, uh, but the, just a, again, it's just a sign that they need more help back there. And this is me being a starter, having the starter's mentality. I look at Stripling, eighty-one pitches through five. Mm, mm-hmm. Do I try and squeeze maybe one more out of him? Mm-hmm. Possibly. You know, obviously, there's a whole thing about you know maybe facing a, the the lineup a third time through and all that, but. 81 pitches it, it seems like he's handled that workload pretty good so maybe i me personally again being a starter i'm gonna try and squeeze one more out of him give me six mm-hmm. but that's and then that that comes back to that okay do you that that idea are you are you thinking only about the pitch count or are you thinking about uh you know who the, he's got to get right so uh, again yeah. i like i don't i i i, I hear you but at the same time that's a big part of the game, right? Mm-hmm. You, you need Simber mm-hmm. to get to get JD Martinez. You need him to get um, Story and uh, Verdugo, 
whoever yeah. else. Oh, and uh, and and Bogarts. Like those are that's as good as that Red Sox lineup gets. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you've already got you, you used you got through Devers, and now you got to do this. And again, I don't have any problem with the way that Charlie um, worked it. No. Again, I think I think it worked perfect. You know, that's if you had to draw it up. You know, at, at the beginning of the day, like, okay, here's the plan. Let's see if we can get through. And depending on where we are in the lineup, it's either five or six for for Stripling. But disappointing. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they fucking won. <laughs> <laughs> they won. That's all that matters. And yeah. and it, it's crazy when you see that uh, that division, dude. They went from like being in second place to being in fourth place to being in second like it's just i feel like we're gonna we're gonna see this till one of them kind of gets on a roll and and kind of runs away with it uh that's not the yankees obviously because they're just <laughs> on a stupid level that they've just, won 50 of their first 75 games they are the second team to do that here in this century they are the 10th team to do it ever and most of those teams were before integration and in the dead ball era like yeah, sorry a before in before the dead ball and then before integration so a very very different story so it's, it's the 98 yankees the 2001 mariners and now the 2022 yankees who are doing so while playing joey gallo every day who can't even buy a hit the poor guy Dude, uh, yeah i feel bad for the yankees i feel bad for joey gallo because he should be on the blue jays when none of this would be happening. He'd be thriving and surviving as a member of the Blue Jays. <laughs> no, but, bold, hmm? no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, but it, it just makes this 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 division. And Dave, Dave Roberts, I've heard him quote quotes about him talking about how the NL West is the toughest division in baseball, but he can save that, you know? Okay, buddy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, every night we're in a battle. I, yeah, you look at the AL East, it's, it's not the NL West. And I'm like, you're right, it's not. Like yeah. the, our, the last place team in this division – can be a second place team in any other division, and that's the Baltimore Orioles, who have been hot. They, if the Baltimore Orioles finish with a winning record, I will not be surprised. No, me either. Their One offense bit. is ridiculous. They have a yeah. lot of talented ball players in that offense. They need obviously a lot of pitchers, but yeah. they can hit. Speaking they can of hit. they can hit. Yeah. No, go, I was going to no, say go the ahead. Blue Jays can really hit. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about uh, two things for the bullpen. Number one, Nate Pearson has been shelved for three to four weeks with a lat strain. Uh, it came out that he uh, when he came out of the game. Uh, previously, after uh, just a couple pitches, now he is not going to even be throwing for three or four weeks. Just man, you again. I you really feel for him, but I and I, I really don't think that if you're a Blue Jays fan in particular, you can't have any expectations when it comes to Nate Pearson. Anything you get from Nate Pearson from here moving forward has got to feel like a bonus because the, he just can't stay healthy, and it's it's not an, it's not for a lack of effort, and it's not that he's not tough, but he just is snake bit and is hurt a lot. And I really yeah. feel for him. Um, but you can't, you as a fan, I don't think any of, of us as fans can expect anything from him. And I think the Blue Jays would be foolish to have, to have incl- not include him in their plans, but include him in their calculations. Like, well, when Pearson's back, like that, you can't, you can't even no. assume that he, you're going to see him in the big leagues for a single pitch this year because he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yeah. And you mentioned three to four weeks. That's just to rest and then it's Mm -hmm. another thing to go through a throwing program and then another thing to go through facing hitters and then get in a game get in a rehab game and then so yeah i mean if you put that all together he's probably out for at least two two months two and a half months Mm -hmm. and obviously he's a guy they're going to take it easy with because they still are hoping that something happens with him and they but as of right now yeah you can rely on him and in spring training, we were talking about him differently, maybe being a difference maker 
you know, at this point in the season, because this is when they would need him. This is when they would need a starter, you know, if mm-hmm. he was going to go that direction. And obviously with, you know, the struggles that Kikuchi has had and and Barrios has had, it's like, um, you know, they need they need a guy either whether it was long relief or come in and do a couple spot starts, stuff like that. He's he was he was probably going to be that guy. But um, right now, obviously, the, the most important thing for him is to just go and get healthy and and mm-hmm. take his time. I mean, if you if you continue to ru- to rush through things, and I'm not saying he, he is, um, it's take his time. He's still young and he's still got a great arm. So it's just getting back on his on the on the health side of things, uh, getting good and and see where it takes 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 uh, him from there. Um, obviously, he's a guy that you can't trade at this point because you're not going to get anything. No. Um, so yeah. I think you, they've already invested so much in him um, uh, that that they, there's no val there's no point in trading him, right? I think it's just like you see if you can get him right, but maybe maybe it, maybe there's a change of scenery that would help him to to be healthier if there's another team that has. The ability to, I don't know, but the Blue Jays are kind of in the leading edge of some of that stuff and the training and the, so yeah, you just hope that he can get healthy and have a good career. But uh, I don't think yeah. expectations are the word that I would ever use. And again, if, if I'm a triple A guy right now, Drew, a starter or a guy that's up and coming, like I'm looking at this, you know, the uh, there's going to be opportunities. Uh, if mm-hmm. Kikuchi, if Kikuchi keeps, they can't keep running them out there every fifth day if this keeps happening. You know, you mm-hmm. hope that it does turn around for him and he kind of gets on a roll. Um, but even Burials, you know, it's like especially when they follow them back to back right now, like if, mm-hmm. if they're going to be having like it, we saw the effects of that and how much it can hurt a bullpen, you know, for both of them to go back to back short outings and then the the, the bullpen having to cover so many innings. Um, if I'm a triple A guy or even a double A guy and I'm dealing, I'm I'm kind of looking at that is a big opportunity for me to come up and be a difference maker. And that's just me talking as a young prospect or a guy that can possibly go, you know, get a call up. So, you know, like maybe your, maybe your name is, uh, is uh, Zulueta and you were just promoted to double a and mm-hmm. you got a real live arm. And there's a lot of maybe hope uh, that another, a good showing at double a, and you know, if it plays there, why wouldn't it play in the big leagues? Right. Exactly. If you're throwing, if you're throwing hard, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, all that stuff goes into effect. And I'm sure the Blue Jays are definitely, yes, we can look at trades, possible trades and stuff like that. But you got to have something in the farm system, too, that 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 can be a difference maker, a guy that you can look at and be like, man, this we can use this guy up in the big leagues. And um, they, they've done it before. You know, they they're um, obviously they did it with the Kirk, they did it with the Manoa, who mm-hmm. never really pitched in double A or triple A. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, if you, if you're down there and, you, and you're grinding it out, I mean, you're probably a lot closer than you think with, with all the struggles we've seen from the staff and from the bullpen. The famous line, the stuff plays, right? If the stuff plays, the stuff plays. Now a guy who's maybe not known for his stuff at this stage, but uh, someone we've talked about before who has not been officially added to the Blue Jays roster, but is in Toronto is rocking Blue Jays stuff and throwing bullpen Sergio Romo. Seems like mm-hmm. he's about to join the, the Blue Jays on a, on a major league deal. Again, not the, not the savior, not the guy who's going to come in and, and, and be the difference maker, not going to push Jordan Morano out of the ninth inning, but a guy who knows how to get, out, get outs and, and maybe a guy you could have in a, in a you know, Monday morning quarterback situation, maybe it's Sergio Romo who's coming in there to get the bottom of the, of the, of the Red Sox lineup instead of, the, instead of Trent Thornton. So, um, you know, Nothing but upside. They're not. There's not a lot of risk in bringing in Sergio Romo. Um, I know a guy who's a veteran who's been around and, and 
going to be a, probably the consummate professional and and the kind of the kind of guy that uh, that the other players would like to be around and like to learn from. Uh, I know you have spoken about your friendship with him as well, so I don't expect you to come in here and be like, "This is the worst deal of all time." <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? But the the one thing about him, Drew, is big cojones, man. Mm. That guy's always had him because. When you look at his stuff, he's never been an overpowering guy ever in his career ever. Like you go even go back to his uh, when he was the closer with the with the Giants when they won the World Series, it wasn't overpowering, but he had big cojones and big stages, and and you know he could throw that uh, slider down the middle, and then he could throw it two inches off, and then he could throw it five inches off, and obviously, again, he's a guy that's at. Uh, you know, later in his career, now he's uh, what 13, 14 years in and into the big leagues. Um, but if he can bring an attitude to this team, if he can bring out the fu out of this team, I'm all for it. And I love the signing, I really do. And I'm not saying that just because he's my friend or anything like that. But I, I just this team, I think, has all the potential. But I, I don't know about you, but I almost feel like they're still searching for that identity and and, and who they are as a team. And, mm-hmm. and this is a guy that can definitely come in and 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 do that. I think that that. The position players have it, you know, with the barrio and the jacket and like they're just, they're really tight. And like you said, with the thing with Vlad about getting that advice from Springer about getting back to having fun. I don't know that necessarily the, the relievers in particular maybe don't have that same kind of identity. They don't mm-hmm. get the camera on them quite as much. I mean, the starters have the thing where they all go together and they all walk out from the, from the bullpen to, from the, from the bullpen to the dugout together. So maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more of, uh, personality in the, in the bullpen, uh, isn't yeah. a bad thing. Also, speaking of big balls. Uh, Sergio Romo, one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen was at the World Series parade in 2012 wearing I Just Look Illegal shirt to celebrate. <laughs> you got to love it. You know, you want to talk about that? I love you. it, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and, and he's he's that type of guy. Like you said, he's going to br- he might bring a little bit of personality into that bullpen and loosen those guys up. You never know. I mean, he's a veteran guy. He's seen it all. I mean, godly, man. He's got three World Series ring. How much better mm-hmm. does it get? You know, even mm-hmm. if he had one, he's got three. And he was part of some great teams. And to me, it's all about veteran presence, the wisdom that they can share down. The, maybe he can be a positive influence in Romano, you know, um, Meza, all those guys. Yeah. Jordan um, Romano is, it seems like, and I say this with love, like the weirdest dude in the world. So maybe if somebody <laughs> could lighten him up a little bit. Hey, man, he, last time I saw him, he made me feel really old. He's like, Ricky, so good to see you. Hey, man, I remember here, like when, when I, you know, when I was here, me and my, my high school buddies used to come and watch you pitch whenever we'd get the chance. I was like, God, Lee, Jordan, you just made me feel like I'm like 60 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but again, yeah, I mean, the Romo thing, the, the Romo sign, or it hasn't become official yet, but mm-hmm. I think it brings a little bit of personality. And again, people were mentioning like, oh, he was DFA'd for a reason. Well, shoot, a lot of players are DFA'd, you know, and, and, and if you strike a little bit of gold and Drew... Let's face it. We need outs out of that pen. And if he can come in and get us three outs, then solid. I don't care how he does it, where he does it. and yeah. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, I talked about this off the top with Kirk, about how you look at Kirk's numbers and they're very real and all of his, you know, underlying, supporting, you know, kind of foundational metrics are so strong. In the bullpen, in a pennant race with a team that's trying to win the World Series, none of that stuff matters. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if Sergio Romo's entire Statcast page is blue. If he gets three outs in a, in the time when he needs them, then that's that's great. You know, you're not trying to project forward. Like, what's Sergio Romo going to be next year? And is there some kind of stickiness to this ability? Like, doesn't matter. Give me outs, and then we'll just take them, and we'll figure out what's well, going to yeah. happen next time. Next time. 
Yeah. So it, it's, it's a different game. It's a different situation and, and one that, uh, again, there's not, not, not a lot of downside. Uh, you know, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of risk. And, uh, if he comes in and is able to do a job and if can rediscover something, uh, with playing on a, on a, on a team that's good and not the Mariners, off we go. Yeah. Uh, we, don't, we don't have too much more time. We shouldn't, we can't, we can't prattle on. Um, is there anything? Let me, let me ask you this. So Canada Day coming up, big start, full house. Looks like it's going to be Jose Barrios' start. What's the thing you're looking for to see if he's going to be the good Jose Barrios or the bad Jose Barrios? <laughs> Tempo yeah. and confidence. Tempo mm-hmm. and confidence with him. It almost seems like sometimes when 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 he's out there and he's struggling, it's the tr- the trying becomes a little harder. And if you try in the game of baseball, you're 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 fucked, man. It, you really are. It, 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 we've seen him at his best when he's got that great slider going, and and when he's setting it up nicely because. Um, I believe you mentioned in the episode on Monday with Caitlin, he doesn't walk guys. He's a guy mm-hmm. that doesn't walk, like, but <laughs> he gets clobbered when he's in the zone. But I think that's a, that's one it's, it's not being able to locate your pitches. Yeah. He has a good fastball, but if you're throwing it right down the middle, obviously guys are going to tee off. We talked about Trent Thornton. Obviously if you leave a fastball down the middle, I don't care who the hitter is. It's going to get it clobbered in the big leagues Mm -hmm. so i'm looking for him to jump ahead have confidence have tempo and that to me the tempo is the key with him when we seen him at his best even when he gives up a run or two boom he jumps right back on the mound strike one and where i think when he starts getting hit around it's almost like the tempo slows down he kind of starts looking around and it's like oh shit here we go again and i again i've I've been in that side of it and it's not fun but Mm -hmm. he's got all the stuff man and he he's he's pretty nasty and July 1st at the stadium is a whole different beast, too. I mean, opening day is cool, but July 1st in Canada. I wish I was there, too, man. I, I'm coming in Saturday. Open. Oh, okay. Roof open. I, I got to pitch in it twice, and it was probably one of the best experiences of my career. When when The first time I did it was a rookie against the Tampa Bay Rays, and I remember, I think, uh, I want to say I it, I had bases loaded, no outs, and I got out of the jam in like the seventh or eighth inning. Or sixth or seventh inning. Oh mm-hmm. man, I I exploded in emotion just because the you feel you felt the crowd energy. I mean, when you have base loaded, you're expect to give up a run, maybe two. Mm. But man, I, I I still remember that vividly because I bared down and it was like I remember Cito was our manager. He's like, You you want to go one more? And I was like, Hell yeah, like let's go after that <laughs> inning. Let's go. And I, I believe I went six, seven innings, eight innings. I, I'm not sure. Uh but and then I got to pitch again. Again, uh, I want to say in eleven or twelve against the Phillies, and that was fun too. So it's just a different. That atmosphere. was when that was when Halliday came back, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, it was when when Doc came back, and it was one of those things where, again, it just seems like it's a big party, man. It, it they it, it just makes you feel like I almost felt like I felt Canadian for that day. It just makes you feel so proud when you put on that uniform and and you know what you're representing and. Again, me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a son of uh, immigrant parents, and it just everything about it, and and how welcoming, um, you know, obviously Canada was to me, and and it was, dude, it's just, it's so exciting. It's one of those things that I can't put into words, like getting to to get to start on on Canada Day. And I remember as a rookie, you don't know, you're like Canada Day, okay, what the hell is that? You know, like <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. know much about it, and mm-hmm. and then you realize that it's a big party like people start drinking early head to the ballpark and it's like it turns into like a humongous thing and i remember just walking out of the stadium 
just how proud everyone is to be Canadian. And um, not that any other day is different because I feel like Canada, you know, Canadians are very proud to be, you know, Canadians. And uh, but it, it's honestly, it's awesome. It's it's a great atmosphere. And I hope for 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 his sake, I hope Jose Barrios has the best start he's had as a Blue Jay because uh, not even the best start, but just go out there and compete and do his thing. Because, again, when he's at his best, we we've seen it. We've seen it. And he's freaking nasty, man. So if he confidence, does simple. If he does what Ricky Romero did on Canada Day 2009, if he goes eight hey, innings, just four hits and four walks, shutout baseball, lowering a season ERA to 285 as well. Damn. Uh, <laughs> getting getting Pat Burrell to, to roll over on a little double play ball to end the seventh and then getting, uh, uh, getting Carl Crawford to fly out with two on in the eighth. That's some big shit right there. Yeah. We don't see that no more anymore. Like, Starting pitcher in the see, eighth inning, guy better be pitching a perfect game. Otherwise, he's sitting down. <laughs> Cito was a little bit different, man. He was wired a little bit different, and he was like going to ride your. He's going to ride starters till they, you know, till he really he really wanted to see you work in and out of trouble, and that's one thing I respected from him, and I really enjoyed that part of it, that challenge of it, of learning how to work out of pressure situations, bases loaded, second and third, first and second, and. It, it just it, it takes you into a different mentality as a pitcher and it, either you fold or you go out there and you attack the zone and i just remember that day being really really special again i didn't know exactly what the full meaning of it meant but the more obviously time i spent in canada i realized that it was super special and i i wish i would have pitched every single year july 1st like we couldn't wait like honestly as a team you're like oh man like canada day, like this this is this is cool that's fun uh not that long ago how many players, I'll ask you one last question, then we'll get out of here. How many guys from that game are still active today, do you think? From both sides? Yeah. Evan Longoria. Yeah. Gabe Kapler is a manager. He's a manager. <laughs> <laughs> you got him out. You got him out. You retired him. He's, he's a manager. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Uh, that's, that's it. it. That, that I can see. I mean, Randy Choate's nuts. He's probably still pitching somewhere. He's getting one guy out at a time somewhere, <laughs> hey, but but not hey, the biggest. Don't ever mention Randy Choate to Adam Lynn. Oh my god! <laughs> Give him Joe fits. Mad- oh my god! Joe Madden would like every time. And I've I've talked to Lindy before, and he said every time he saw Randy Choate coming out of the bullpen, he was like, "Oh fuck!" Like if you, <laughs> I I don't know if you want to give me those numbers. I, I don't think they were very pretty. He's like uh, like LeBron when Kawhi checked in in the final that one day. Yeah, when he's just yeah. like sees him coming in, he's like, "Oh God damn it!" I, yeah. I, 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 I'll pull it up and uh, and we'll 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 discuss it another time. We'll do this. We'll go through. We'll, we'll do some. We'll remember some guys. Don't worry. There's going to be a lot of time for us to remember some guys. <laughs> but until that time, uh, Ricky, I hope you travel safely and hope you have a great Canada Day while you celebrate. Before you come to Canada, I hope everyone listening, again, has a great Canada Day and uh, and uses the time productively and, and is able to to hold both those ideas in your head, that Canada is a great place we're celebrating, but we're not done. There's still lots of work to do. Lots of work for the Blue Jays to do against finishing the series against the Red Sox and then taking on those very same Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. His name is Ricky Romero. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you next time on Screen.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.